0: You see, the reality is that sometimes we're like King James people talking to people that really listen and understand a New Living Translation type of language.
1: Welcome to the Bethany Lutheran Sermon Podcast for the week of May 23rd, 2021. It's Pentecost Sunday, and today Pastor Kyle Blake brings us a message. Key verses are in the show notes. Today's message was recorded live at Bethany.
0: I had a lady tell me after the first service, she was like, I I thought I was supposed to say you're risen indeed. I I don't really know what to do with that, right? This is the day of Pentecost. It's the day the church celebrates its birthday, the day that that we celebrate this, this whole Pentecost day. But have you ever stopped and wondered, kind of like, as we read this text, what's really going on? Like, I don't know about you, but when I first read this text, I was like, why are there so many people in Jerusalem from, from every tribe and nation? Is there something going on about this? Well, if you really want to understand what's happening in this text, you, you kind of have to have a little bit of history of this text. You see to put it in a timeline this is seven weeks after the Jewish celebration of Passover this is ten days after the ascension and seven weeks after the Jewish Passover the the Jews would celebrate this festival of weeks they also called it Pentecost in fact in uh, in the In Leviticus chapter 23 it says, God tells his people, count seven full weeks from the day after Passover, the day you bring the bundle of grain as an offering presented to the Lord, until the day after the seventh week. This is a total of 50 days. Then bring a new grain offering to the Lord. This is actually the second of three major holidays in the Jewish calendar where the Jews would then come to Jerusalem and celebrate, the first being Passover, this being the festival of weeks, and the third being the festival of booths where they would make some temporary shelters to, to remind them of how they had got to care of them in the midst of their temporary shelter as they went through the desert. Now, this particular feast of Pentecost, it started as an agricultural feast. That's why God says to, to gather bundles of grain as a grain offering to the Lord. But, but it also became a celebration of God giving his people the law at Mount Sinai. You see, for the Jews, Pentecost was a time of rejoicing. It was a time to, to celebrate and recognize what God had done among his people, how he had freed them from slavery in Egypt, how he had given them his word at Sinai, how he had fulfilled his promises and gave them the Holy Land, and, and how he provided rest for them for their labors. But this whole celebration of Pentecost, of God giving his word to the people, wasn't just to be for the Jewish people, but actually was to extend to all those outside as well. In fact, in Deuteronomy, God says to enjoy yourselves in the presence of your God along with your sons, daughters, male and female slaves, the Levites who live in your cities, the foreigners, the orphans, the widows who live among you. Enjoy yourself at the place the Lord your God will choose for his name to live. Jerusalem. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and obey these laws carefully. So, at this celebration of weeks, at the celebration of giving of the law, you have people from all over the known world gathered together in Jerusalem to celebrate the, the good gifts that God had given them and to celebrate the law that He had given them as well. That's what we find in our text in verse 5 where it says, Now that we're staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven and we know the disciples are there too i mean obviously in verse one it says they were all together in one place the disciples why well because jesus 10 days earlier had said hey guys i want you to hang out in jerusalem until you receive the holy spirit you were bapt— or john baptized with water but in a few days you're gonna be baptized with the spirit so the disciples are hanging out they're chilling but jesus went on to say and and then you're going to be my witnesses in jerusalem in Judea, in Samaria, until the ends of the earth. Now we know from from Acts chapter 1 that this probably caused the disciples to scratch their heads a little bit because in Acts 1, 6, they're like, well, aren't you going to restore the kingdom now, Jesus, right before he ascended into heaven? Because they thought and they believed the whole world was to come to them. But Jesus says, no, here's how it's going to work. You're going to receive the Spirit, and then through that, you're going to go out to the world To proclaim this message about me. So, 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection, 10 days after his ascension, they're gathered together, they're praying, they're waiting to receive this spirit that Jesus had talked about. And all of a sudden, it happens. It gets crazy. How many of you have ever been in an earthquake? Now, if I was asking this question in Texas, people would be like, uh, what? You know, but, you know, if California, it's like, yeah. So when you were in the earthquake, like, were you just kind of like, oh, this is an earthquake? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, have you've done a couple of them, right? But the first one you went through, right, it's like, ah! An earthquake, right? And so here these disciples are, and they're sitting in a room and they're they're praying and they're waiting for the spirit to come, and, and all of a sudden it says, like suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house they were sitting in. The disciples aren't like, Oh, it's the spirit. Oh, my goodness, what's going on? What's happening? And then tongues of fire, your hair's on fire. No, your hair's on fire. No, your hair's on fire. And they burst out in the seams, and they start proclaiming the message of Jesus, and it says they do it in a variety of different tongues or languages. And people from all over the known world are sitting in Jerusalem. It says they, they hear this wind. They they see this. They, they kind of show up. They're going, what's going on here? And they see these... Galileans, these nobodies, because you got to know that Galilee was like the bottom of the bottom school, right? I mean, it wasn't the place where really educated people came from. It's the Galileans, right? Now they're speaking in the language of the people. And they're proclaiming this message. Languages that at one point divided are being united in Jesus' name. You see, the crowd hears one message, though different languages were spoken. And this message was the one that the Spirit provided in and through. The disciples, it's one that draws all people together in Christ Jesus. The real miracle of Pentecost wasn't so much the speaking in different languages, it was the hearing of the message. Men, women, and children from every nation, every background, thousands of them had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate the fact that God had given his people the law in Sinai, and now they're hearing the message of God's fulfillment of that law in and through. Jesus Christ and they're marveling at this this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in fact it it says that some people were just amazed and perplexed and, and some people they're like those guys are drunk but as Carl shared with us this morning, we know that 3,000 people heard this message and were cut to the heart and say, what do we need to do? And, and the disciples say, repent and be baptized, all of you. And they did, and the church was birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, last Sunday morning, I read this text in preparation for this morning uh, before church, and as I was reading it, I was kind of praying, okay, God, well, what do you want to say to the people? And this whole idea of the people hearing the message in their own language, their own dialect, kind of hit me. Because I, I looked at this text, and I was praying, and I was saying, well, Jesus, I was asking the good Lutheran question, what does this mean for us? I mean, the Holy Spirit fills the disciples, it breaks loose, right, all heaven breaks loose. People from all over the world hear about Jesus, and through faith in him, they hear that they're they're part of God's family, that their sins are forgiven, that their lives are changed, and, and then I'm sure they went back to the places where they live, learn, labor, and laugh, and like, hey, I gotta tell you this message that I've heard about Jesus. It's life-changing. You know, all that law that we were given, he's the fulfillment of the law, and my sins, and yours are forgiven through faith in him and they did it in their own dialects in their own language and as I thought about this stuff going on, and as they go out, I started to think about the fact that we are constantly talking about how we're to go out and to share the gospel with the people around us. I mean, we have a sign that says, You're now entering the mission field, right? And, and so we, we talk about this gospel message of Jesus Christ. But, but the thing that kind of resonated with me, the thing that kind of like, just kind of sat on me for a little bit is are we speaking the language of our community? Are we speaking their dialect? when we share the good news of Jesus Christ with people outside the Christian community? Or do we tend to speak our own Christianese type of language, assuming people understand? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about do we speak Spanish or do we speak Kamai or do we speak Tongan or the other languages that are here in Long Beach. That, I mean, there is a part of that that we need to speak in native languages. I'm talking about your neighbor, your coworker. I, have you ever been to a place in America, right? Or, or the whole world where they, they say, well, we speak English. And you're like, cool, right? You get there and you're speaking. You're like, I have no idea what this guy is saying. I'm from Texas. Y'all have no idea what the heck I'm fixing to do. In fact, my wife and I went to visit our, our, my, my mom's cousins, I guess our cousins, in a very small town in Texas. It's called Vernon, Texas. It's like outside Wichita Falls. It's like in the middle of nowhere, right? And, and we're sitting in the living room, and my, you know, and AJ, who is, the, you know, the husband, is talking. And we literally go back to the bedroom to go to bed, and my wife turns and looks at me and goes, I have no idea what he just said. I know he was speaking English, but I have no idea what he just said. You see, the reality is that sometimes we're like King James people talking to people that really listen and understand a New Living Translation type of language. Did you get that joke? I mean, we try, but we tend to share it in Christianese. Stop and think for a second. In your social circles, if you have friends that aren't Christian, how often is the word sin brought up? Now, we might all know, well, sin, yeah, we know what that is, missing the mark, right, and examples of that are But, But people outside the church, how often are they walking around going, you're a sinner. But yet that's what we use. Now, we don't necessarily have to go to language school in order to understand the people around us. I mean, we really are just called to do life with them. To to listen to what they have to say, to listen how they talk to one another, to, to learn their way of speaking, and then as the Holy Spirit prompts us, as he gives us opportunity to share the gospel in a language the people that we're surrounded by might understand. I'm going to give you an extreme example. So like I told you last Sunday, like I got got hit with this whole, do we speak the language of our community, right? Monday I get a phone call. And I get a phone call from one of the kids I've been working with, and and I know real well from the downtown area, and he's in jail right now. So he's got a little time on his hands, right? And uh, his girlfriend's Christian, and so he was like, Well, I should probably like read a little bit of this Bible thing. So he's reading scripture, right? And he's and he's like, Hey, Pastor, I I read Philippians this week, and I was like, Oh, that's cool, what'd you get out of it? And he was like, you know, he was like, Oh, well, it talks a little bit about peace. I said, Hey man, can I tell you something? He's like, Yeah, what's up? I said, the homie Paul was gangbanging, homie. You need to know that this guy, when he was Saul, he had paperwork on people, he had green lights, he was out there and he was banging on them Christians. And suddenly Jesus got a hold of him, turned his life around and then all of a sudden, like he's like, what's going on with this stuff? He ends up getting thrown in prison. He's incarcerated when he's writing some of this stuff. Man, homie got shot at. He got, well, there's rocks thrown at him, but he got, you know, beat, he got stabbed, right? I mean, he was always, he he was always having people over him. But Jesus changed his life and you know what he said? He said, no matter what might happen, I'm going to learn to be like cool with it for the sake of Jesus, Now, you might go, okay, yeah, I kind of get that, but what are you talking about, right? In fact, he was like, hey, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, what's up? He goes, are you really a pastor? (laughs) A couple days later, though, I had an opportunity to talk to another guy who uh, lived in the, old, the neighborhood that I lived in. I was driving through the neighborhood, and I was, you know, kind of breaking down that story for him and just kind of saying, oh, yeah, it's cool, da-da-da, whoop-de-whoop, you know, and, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, his girlfriend was like, hey, do you preach like that on Sunday? I'm like, no, if I preached like that on Sunday, you guys would go, oh, that's cute for about all of five minutes, right? We've got a pastor that can speak downtown talk. It's all, it's great. But then after a while, it'd be like, can you just talk normal, right? Because for us, that's not normal speak. It's not our dialect in which we talk through, but in other people, in our community, that is. In fact, she looks at me and she goes, if you did preach like that, he might actually go to church. Now, I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back and go, golly gee, I'm a great guy and I've learned this language. I'm just using this as an illustration to say that in the midst of our community, there are different dialects that people speak, different language that people use. I know some of you are teachers. If you walk into a classroom, you want to use a little bit of the language that the kids use. They might look at you and go, really? Right? But they appreciate the fact that you're trying. And the realization is is that we carry this message wherever we go. And we get put in places where we live, learn, labor, and laugh. And we get put around people who don't know this message of hope, of forgiveness, of salvation. There's a churchy's word in Jesus Christ. And so we need to take the time to to listen and to learn and and to know how to talk to the people around us. Because the realization is that you and I have received the same Holy Spirit that the disciples did at Pentecost. We received it at our baptism. And we carry this same message of, of good news, of hope in Jesus Christ, this gospel message for all people. I think it's awesome that, that to show how much God loved the people from all these different nations that he actually had the disciples proclaiming the message in their native language and dialect. And I got to wonder, like, man, what does that look like in my own life as I go to these places where God puts me? See, my prayer is that as we go from this place, the Holy Spirit would work in us and through us to to put us in places where we learn to love others around us as Christ has loved us, and we learn to share that good news with them in a language and a dialect that they would understand. My prayer is that through the sharing of the good news, the Spirit would, would plant the seeds of faith, that he would water the seeds of faith, that he would grow the seeds of faith in the hearts of others. But as I pray for us going out and speaking a message in a language that others around us can understand, I also have to pray for us. Because my prayer for us is that the Holy Spirit would continue to work in us and through us. That, That the Holy Spirit would continue to comfort us with the good news. That though we might feel guilty and overwhelmed with sin and shame, with missing the mark, with our own selfishness, that that we might be reminded again and again that through faith, Jesus has forgiven us as well as others. That he has set us free to be his people. My prayer is that the spirit would constantly grow us and guide us, encourage us and equip us as he leads us today, tomorrow, and every day of our lives.
1: Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. A video archive of our online worship services, including today's message, can be found on our YouTube channel and at www.bethanylutheran.org. Links for both of these are in the show notes. If you would like to support this podcast or the ministry of Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California, you can text the word GIVE to 562-210-0463. That's GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 562-210-0463. Join us next week as Pastor Mark Siegert shares a message with us.